Okay, I saw some smiles come on some faces and some eyes there. Now, could you name that theme music? Avengers. That's right. That's right. In the chat room, I don't know if they got to it yet. Trish, you thought that was funny. Okay. Um, yeah, so I wanted to play that theme music because whenever I hear that music, it reminds me of the stories of heroic effort, of great sacrifice, of great sacrifice. Um, comeback stories, as you saw is, um, in films, remind me of Jesus' redemption in my own life. And those stories never get old to me. Uh, show me a story where there is a tremendous problem that must be solved through a sacrificial effort. And I get to thinking about Jesus. I don't care what kind of movie it is. Anybody else is kind of like that? You see, you're like, I see this thing. This kind of reminds me of my faith. This reminds me. Some of you are nodding your heads. And then another thing to kind of know, too, if, if I ask you a question or if something's making sense, if you do like this, it helps me. It helps me. Helps me know, okay, they got it. Or no, just stay right there until they nod their heads and lets me know they got it. <laughs> and so whenever I think about the tremendous problem of sin, somebody say sin. Tremendous problem of sin. Giving you a definition is sin is missing God's original intention. God's original intention. He's the creator. He sets the rules. He's the creator. He sets the rules. Whenever I think about that tremendous, that massive problem, and the one that could save us from sin, Jesus Christ. I think about that Savior. I think about the comeback, the comeback story of the one who is able to solve an incredible problem. I think of somebody say Jesus. I think of how the Bible describes that sin entered the world through one man's disobedience. And that the world would have righteousness imparted to it through one man's obedience. Kind of sounds kind of fancy, especially if you haven't been in church in a while or if you've never been to church at all. One of the things I want to encourage you to do, there's this group of folks that are called the Bereans. And one of the things that they would do whenever they heard teaching is that they would check and make sure the things that they heard were actually in the Scripture. Make sure it was real deal. Make sure there's was no phony stuff. Make sure nothing's uh, made up. And so what I want to encourage you to do is if some of the things are like, what in the world is he talking about or what did that mean? Go back, take a listen to, to this message and make sure that the things that are being said, make sure it's Bible. <laughs> make sure it's Scripture. Make sure it is true. Make sure that it is true. So I think about how the Bible describes that sin entered through one man's disobedience. That one man in this case would be Adam. Uh, for those of you familiar, the scripture says that the last Adam, referring to Jesus Christ, would be the one to offer righteousness, would be the one to offer redemption. One guy messed it up and another guy's going to come and clean it up. His name, his name, his name, his name is Jesus. Take a look at this scripture verse in 1 Corinthians 15, 21. It reads, for as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. Yeah. I get to thinking about how Jesus died as me on that cross so that I could live as him in relation to God and others. I don't know if you think about the story that way, the gospel story, that narrative that way. I don't know when you think about Jesus on a cross if you actually think about Jesus died as David Laba so that David Laba could live as Jesus Christ in the world. Or Grace Loya, Jesus died as you so that you could live as Jesus Christ in the world in relationship to God's self and to one another. But if you haven't thought about it that way, you are missing out. 
you are missing out because the lamb, Jesus, would be the sacrifice. He would be the one to pick up the tab. Some of the other languages would say he's the one who would pay the ransom. The ransom was so high, only Jesus could pay the cost by his perfect life, by his blood, by his power. So um, you can keep what you, yeah, only he could pay he could pay the cost. So if Jesus already picked up that bill at Cheesecake Factory, I'm not going to pay it again. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. It's not a good analogy for sin, but you get the point. <laughs> so in celebration of Jesus' comeback and his resurrection, our teaching and preaching focus over the next few weeks will deal with comeback stories in Scripture and present day and I, and I hope you can make it back. His story keeps living on in us. That narrative is something that we co-labor in. That narrative is something that we co-author in. So there's going to be some of you over the course of these weeks who will say, I need to share my comeback story. People need to know about the grace of God in my life so that they can be encouraged. And that discouragement that knocks at their door every single moment, every single second, it has like an answer to it. And the answer is the comeback of Jesus said, I am life, I am the resurrection. Where we thought there would be death, there can be life. And so just pray about that. Just be praying about it. Pastor, I, let's talk because I want to share a comeback story in my own life, in my own marriage, in my own family, in my own business, in my finances. We have those stories for days and days on end. And it's nothing like hearing those testimonies that reminds us that what God does for one, he'll also do for another. That he's not a respecter of persons. He says, hey, anybody who comes to me must believe that I am and that I'm a rewarder of those who diligently seek after me. Can I get a good amen right there? Yeah, so I believe the Lord is going to be gracing people with more comeback stories, and we're seeing a taste of, I feel like, what has just happened with us being able to go above and beyond our faithful giving to our brothers and sisters in Philippines is a, is a, is a little foretaste, it's a little foretaste of more comeback stories, more comeback stories for His glory as we, as we humble ourselves. I believe people are going to experience even more of his glory as we come together like we are right now. That God is going to birth more comeback stories. We're going to be receiving more grace for the fight of faith that is before us. Today's comeback scripture passage deals with the moment after Jesus has been on the bloody cross wearing that crown of thorns on his head. He's been beaten and flogged and his body had been wrapped in linens and his body had been stored in the tomb and the stone had already been rolled away. Uh, I encourage you, if you've never read it before, we're going to read a portion, but to just go back and read it for yourself. I know a lot of the stuff that we get is transmitted through listening and talking, and that's really good, but there's nothing like knowing for yourself what's written and seeing the different accounts of what's written there so that when it comes time to do a fight, you can be like Jesus. It is written. It is written. I'm not going to buckle. I'm not going to break. It is written. I've read it for myself. I haven't just heard it. I made sure that what I heard, what I heard was, what I heard was true. I'm feeling like some of the old, uh, old black pastors right now because I feel like I need a sweat rag. <laughs> you like pull out like the black rag and you know. <laughs> oh, man. Somebody can hook me up. Okay, good. I'm glad I, I'm glad I wore a, a short sleeve shirt today. It's 
like, okay, we'll be cutting this part of the message. We'll be cutting this part. No, no, no. No, no, no. We're ready. We're well ready. Thank you so much. Thank you, good sir. You then get one of those rags that you can put your initials in it, you know, or put your name in it, Pastor Dennis, you know. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> okay, so we're going to read from Luke chapter 20, 24, verses 2 through 9 out of the English Standard Version. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. Two men stood by them. Oh, that's pretty close. That's pretty close. Thank you. Two, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. Who were these two men who stood by them in dazzling apparel? Who were they? Yeah, I heard it said, angels. Angels, yeah, yeah. What kind of church is Bridge Church? They believe all that stuff? Yeah, we believe all that stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We believe all that stuff. Two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and uh, bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? That's a great question. He is not here, but has risen. Somebody say risen. Yeah. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day, somebody say, rise. And they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Our title today is a comeback prayer. Our title today is a comeback prayer. It's rise up in me. Rise up in me. You can just do a, you can just do a breath prayer if you'd like and just say, rise up in me. Rise up in me. This is one of our comeback prayers. Rise up in me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, thank you for making us more like Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Rise up in us. Amen. So Jesus knew the mission. He knew the mission. He knew the stakes. He knew that if there was no resurrection, there would be no redemption. No resurrection, no promise kept. No resurrection, no restoration of all things. No resurrection, no prophetic fulfillment of the scriptures that told of Jesus' comeback as Savior, Lord, and King. No resurrection, no church, and for that matter, certainly no bridge church. No resurrection, no dice. No resurrection, no Messiah, no resurrection, no Holy Spirit, no resurrection, no Christian faith, no resurrection, no heavenly hope. Everything hung on whether or not Jesus fulfilled the Scripture and got back up again. My Lord. God is looking to empower people to rise up in his love like Jesus did. Jesus divested himself of his deity. Pastor, what are you talking about? We'll read a passage in a, in a moment from Philippians. But Jesus said, although I'm God, 
when I come to earth, I'm going to be like you. I'm going I'm to I'm be a man. Some of you, you like these theological terms. I love them too. Um, you can look up this hypostatic union of, of man. How Jesus said, think about it like this. Jesus, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit got together in the councils of, e- of eternity and had a conversation of, hey, I see a massive problem coming. I see a tremendous problem coming where Adam is going to miss it and sin is going to enter the world. How are we going to redeem creation? And in their holy council, the three got together and made a decision out of a heart of love to say, Jesus, you are going to go and you are going to pay the bill. You're going to deal with this sin issue and this sin problem. Oh, yeah. And Jesus, when you go, you're not going to go in the form you're in right now. You're going to go as a man. You're going to go as a person, because you're going to be the model of what it looks like to follow me and to be empowered by my spirit so that anybody who would come after me wouldn't discount themselves in their race or journey of faith. Well, of course Jesus could do it. He was God. Yeah, he was God, but he laid it down. He divested himself so that when we looked at Jesus, we would find inspiration and know that this person, Jesus, hurts with the same things that we hurt with. So when I pray to Jesus, I'm talking to someone, the scripture says, who is able to sympathize with me and my weaknesses. He feels what I feel. The infirmity that I'm dealing with, he feels it too because he had to walk it out just like me and you. So it's really important to think about this resurrection real time. Because I think some people, they get too highfalutin about it. It's too theoretical. It's just too abstract. And it's this God who's far away who cannot relate with anything that's going on. Oh, but that is not the picture. That is not the picture. When he walked it out, the scripture we we read in uh, Isaiah a while ago, he walked it out, and uh, in in church I grew up in a long time ago, to say he never said a mumbling word, but he was hurting, and he was in pain. To the point of death, to the point of Blood coming out of his forehead, that kind of agony, that kind of suffering. He's acquainted with our griefs and our sorrows, so it makes him relatable. Oh, Jesus, you can understand what I'm going through right now. Disappointment after disappointment, upset after upset. Because God would not be in the Garden of Gethsemane bleeding blood, sweating blood. God would not do that, but a person would. A real person would be so racked with anxiety, so filled with overwhelm, dealing with so much internal pressure, so much noise, that the body would react and say, oh, I'm going to sweat, I'm going to sweat blood, so much duress, so much, so much stress. So for some of you, I'm inviting you into a different look of Jesus where you think about Jesus who walked the earth as a man who had to put his clothes on just like me and you which I think makes him all the more, all the more lovely. Jesus trusted God as a man, as a person, as a son. So how did Jesus walk out his destiny to the cross as a man, as a person, as a son? How did he do that? How did he trust God for his, resur- his resurrection? How did he trust God for his comeback? I got a, I got a good answer for you since I'm ans- ans- asking the question. Jesus worshiped God. Jesus, Jesus worshiped God. Jesus worshiped God. Just say that, Jesus worshiped God. 
our hero, our example. He worshiped God. That's how he walked out his destiny. That's how he walked out his path. He worshiped. He worshiped. He worshiped God. Worship. Let's define it. Worship is honor given to someone in recognition of their merit. Honor given to someone in recognition of their merit. That Jesus cultivated the type of walk with God where he was constantly or continuously acknowledging who God is, what God wants, what God has planned. And so it kept Jesus on the straight and narrow. It kept Jesus focused. It kept Jesus in a place where he wouldn't be looking at himself so much that he would be distracted by what the assignment, what the assignment was. Worship, honor given to someone in recognition of their merit. He, Jesus had to appraise. Let's look at appraisal real quick. Appraisal. Appraisal is, definition is the value equivalent to that of someone or something under consideration. The level at which someone or something deserves to be valued or rated. He had to appraise God of being worthy of his life. Worthy of his choices. Worthy of his decisions. He had to appraise that. How? A walk with God, a life with God. Some people right now, you've already had your house appraised. You know what that process is like. You get somebody over to the house and you get them to say, hey, what is this house worth? What is this land worth? And a value is attached to it. Some of you have, to, have had to do that with rings, with diamonds, this, that, or the other. What's this thing worth? What's this? What can I get for this? What can I get for this? Jesus lived a life where he was con- constantly placing a value on who God was. He was constantly placing a value on who God was. It was just another way of saying that's Jesus' way of saying that's what worship looks like. Worship is constantly placing a value on either God or other things, on God or other things. And because of how I place value on God, it's going to determine what my life really looks like or how I don't place value on God. Because God has wired us to place value. The other word we like to use is the word love. The other word we can use is worship. We are always esteeming, judging things. You know what? I'm going to tell myself, when I was growing up, uh, you know, <laughs> I was growing up, there's this, <laughs> there was this guy, he was way bigger than me. I was in uh, elementary school. He was way bigger than me. And I don't know, this, this I, I wouldn't, you know, y'all. I've come a long way, so don't, don't, don't think I'm going to do this today. And, um, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to beat that kid up. I just decided. I don't know. This, this is not very godly. Um, I said, I'm going to beat this kid up. But, I, but he was bigger than me, like much bigger than me. And so what did I do? I called my brother. <laughs> Mikey. We're going to fight him in the park. <laughs> because we're in this thing where we are praising a situation. What can I do? What can I bring to it? What is this going to cost me? What is this fight going to cost me? Some of us do that with, with other things, with uh, cooking. Oh, you know, that person's a good cook. That person's a good cook. But they haven't had my lasagna. We're always judging on, on certain levels of huh, how much value does this get? How much value is, is that going to get? We do it in all different kinds of ways. Oh, she's cute, but 
I'm a little cuter. You know how you do. 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 And so we are constantly doing that in life. And the reason why we're talking about that is because if we don't own that, if we don't get really clear with that, then we're, we're deceived. We are always placing value, which means we're always leaning toward and looking and searching for something or someone to value or to worship or to love. We are hardwired with that in us. And so if we're not careful, we end up with the scripture would call it idols. Because some, for some reason or another, we have decided that this thing is worth this or this person is worth that. And so we exchange whatever we've got to exchange to show adoration or to show worship. It's happening 24-7. It's happening 24-7. So we have to own it. We have to own it. We have to be intentional and say, wait, is that worthy of me? Is that decision worthy of you? Is that person worthy of you? <laughs> that person you're dating, is they, are they worthy of you? Wait. Amen. I get to preach and good. Y'all should say something. <laughs> they worthy of me? Am I worthy of them? Am I, am, am, what am I bringing to the table? What value am I bringing to the table? What kind of love and tenderness and affection, what kind of compassion am I bringing to that relationship? In whatever context you think about, at home or at work, at school, Wherever you, whatever your recreation looks like, somebody say, Jesus worship God. Jesus worship God. Let me ask you a question. If Jesus hadn't worshiped God as part of his normal life, do you think he would have went to the cross anyway? Right. Let me ask it again. If Jesus hadn't worshiped God as part of his normal every day, somebody say every day. Normal. He would look up at this. Oh, the heavens are telling of God and his glory. What a wonderful God we serve. Oh, Father, you may. Jesus was in the zone. He, could, he, he was in that God zone. He had a certain lens. Jesus would say, oh, I can see through all of the muck and mire and see what God is up to. We have a lot of people who say what's going on in the world. It's all bad. But what is God up to? Get good at saying what God is up to and what God is doing and what we see him doing and see his handiwork, his hand at work. So, so Jesus was in that zone. Do you think if Jesus, if, if he hadn't worshipped God, do you think he would have went to that cross anyway? I mean, just think about it. Just really think about it. Who does that? Nobody wakes up one morning to say, I'm going to go to the cross today, and I'm going to die for a whole bunch of people. Some will accept me. Some will reject me. But I'm just going to get up and I'm gonna go to the cross, and I'm going to do this, and, and I just hope everything works out well. Nobody doesn't just wake up one morning and do that. That's something that's cultivated. The decision had already been made in the councils of eternity. Jesus, Lamb of God, what? He would, what? Be the Lamb of God slain for the foundation of the earth. He would be the one. I'm going to go. I'll sacrifice as an expression of love, to love to God and love to people. I'm going to go. But he had to walk it out as a man. He didn't walk it out as God. He had to choose moment to moment, day after day, he knew what his fate was. I don't know. I think about me. I'm just, I'm just telling me. Um, if, if I was in Jesus' shoes and, and I didn't worship God, 
Ain't no way. There's just no way. There's just no way. And so I don't, I don't want us to miss how the choice to worship God determines whether or not we reach destiny, we fulfill potential, we walk in the purpose that God has created us for. That apart from worshiping God, which is valuing God and learning how to esteem God, well, God, you kind of hurt my feelings at times, but I'm going to learn how to value you and trust you anyway. Because you didn't give me the answer I was looking for. But I'm going to learn how to trust you and value you anyway. Until we go through that real stuff like that, we don't, we're not really sure about whether or not we're going to hit our purpose or walk in destiny. Oh, wait. God, you're not the cosmic Santa in the sky. You're not the cosmic vending machine that if I just rub the lamp of prayer that whatever I ask for, I'm just going to get it. No, he's not. Sometimes we don't like his answers. But when I learn how to value God, I'm going to say, God, I want this, but I want it your way. If I'm going to have it, <laughs> I want it your way. 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 So worship, a life of worship is everything. Some of you, you know what I mean when sometimes when people think of worship, they think about a song. And that's, that's not inclusive enough. <laughs> worship is more than a song. Worship is obedience. Worship is I'm valuing you. And because I'm valuing you, I'm making decisions around your character, around your beauty. God, you're so beautiful. The way you love is so beautiful. Who you are is so beautiful. And I'm growing in a relationship with him where I'm valuing. Ah, oh, yeah. And that's helping me make decisions. Some of those decisions uh, at times seem inconsequential, but God's Spirit is always working, uh, working within us. What? To bring about the purpose that God has made us for. Sometimes we're conscious of it, sometimes we're not. But growing in a relationship where I value who God is, what God does, is how I hit the mark. And His mark is glory. Come on, I know some people in here read Romans 2. We're going to share in a glory with God. We're not going to take glory from God, but we're going to share in this glory with God. And as I worship God, not only is God revealed, but who he has made me to be is revealed too. So I can't run from worship because if I run from worshiping God, I run from who I am to be. I cannot show up in the world as God has called me to show up in the world if I run away from worshiping God. And then if I choose to worship something that's inferior, something that's not worthy of me, something that doesn't know me, then I turn into something that nobody's going to recognize. Well, it's like, I don't think I'm supposed to be. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. And if we're not careful, I have, you have. We have worshiped things that have distorted our own image. They're not created to give us value. We call those addictions or idols. But Jesus said, God, Father, who you are is, is growing in me. Who you are is making more of a difference and impact in me so that I can see what you see. Ooh, hallelujah. I can feel, hallelujah, what you feel. Hallelujah. 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 Instead of looking at people or looking at things that are happening in culture, and, and being the person who's cursing stuff, cursing stuff, cursing stuff, I can look and say, oh, I can see God at work. 
I can see God at work because as God is changing me, as he's working in me, I'm able to see it through his lens, that lens that wants to redeem, that lens that wants to restore, that lens that says, anything the enemy has stolen from you, I can bring it back and restore. Oh, Lord, let your church, amen, let your church, hallelujah, continue to be a people who value as you value so that when we see people, we see one another, we can see through the eyes and the lens of, somebody say love, 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 love. It's no wonder that Romans 12, 1 in the CSB reads it like this. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. All of me. All of me, right? Loves all of you, right? I'm redeeming it. I'm redeeming it. Nothing wrong with that song. But I'm, I'm talking about a, the, the journey of faith. The journey of faith. Where I say, okay, Lord, I'll give you this much time. I'll, give, I'll esteem you this way. But as we get older in the Lord, we get better. That's what his intention is. As we get older in the Lord, we're to get better. His intention is that we go from glory to glory, faith to faith, strength to strength. Where I am is not where I'm going to be because the Lord is working. Amen. Amen. Jesus said in Matthew 22, 37 through 40, before I read that, my people in the sun, are y'all doing okay? You so far, so good. Okay, good. Matthew 22, 37 through 40, and he said to him, this is Jesus talking, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. And with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus gives us this as a reminder of what he is walking out day in and day out. Is this to tell us, okay, love God because God loves you. God loves, God loves you. And I always pray that that is not something that is just intellectual, but that's something that our hearts can respond to. Jesus enjoys Amy. Jesus loves Carlos. Jesus loves Ryan. Jesus loves Dan. That, that it happens at the heart level. Because if we just stay right here, you need more than here for transformation. It got to happen. All of us has to believe and say, Lord, you do love me. You do enjoy who you've made. Of course, I want to connect. Of course, I want to worship you. Of course, I want to have a relationship with you because you designed me. You put me in my mother's womb. You know my inward parts. God, I want to I wanna know the love of God that you have for me. I want to experience the love of God, not just here. You have heard that Jesus loves me, for the Bible tells me so. That has value. But it goes the next, next step further when we're talking to God and say, well, God, practically, what does that look like? Show me what your love looks like practically. Show me this. Maybe I'm not seeing things right. And we dialogue with God about the things that are in his word so that we have a true relationship with God, a true relationship that gives us strength and that keeps us on path. Jesus had some statements about worthiness 
that he made that I want to share with you. Because whenever we come and we're, we're growing together as a people, none of us have arrived. We're all at Jesus' feet saying, Lord, you alone are worthy. You alone are awesome. And, and, and sometimes we, we kind of don't know what the end game looks like. Meaning, there's, this, this is what I say this way. This, this, is, this is sad. Person say, yeah, I've, um, I trusted Jesus. I trusted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And, you know, maybe they did that at a certain age and then years pass. Years. And they're the same person. But no. No change. No, no growth. Like, wait a minute. Those who place faith in Jesus, the Scriptures calls us what? Born again. So it's babes. We, we uh, yearn for the sincere milk of the Word. And like babies do, we grow from taking in what's appropriate for a baby to doing what's appropriate for an adult. The maturation, growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ is is what it's about. It's not just a, I accepted the Lord. Okay, that's really good. Praise God. Let's get started. <laughs> We're starting right now. <laughs> Eternal life with God begin. That moment, say, Lord, you are my Savior. You are my Savior. And so I want to read this scripture because I would, I, I would just hate, I just think it'd be a disservice to kind of miss where he's taking each individual heart where he's taking each church. And if the church is not good at doing this, then that, that church needs to really have a real talk with Jesus. Check out what Jesus said. Okay, this is going to be challenging, but I'll give enough context for it so that it's, it's, you can say, okay, I get it. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Yeah, somebody said, wow, and that's right. So what's Jesus talking about? Is Jesus telling you to hate your family? Uh, no. No, 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 no. That's not the point of what he's saying. Jesus is saying, hey, just so you do, don't get it twisted, I'm going to be numero uno. That's where that whole conversation is going. Jesus is like, don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted. If you're following me, you're following me, and I'm in the one spot. I'm in the center. So his goal is to have our whole life. He wants our whole life. Yes, that starts with a moment's decision. But that's just the start. That's just the start. And God has given us the endowment of his spirit to work in us to what? Bring about us looking more like Jesus in the world. Showing up as Jesus would show up in the world. Is that you or is that Jesus? Oh. The way you love, the kindness, the tender heart, the compassion. Oh, my goodness, you walk in truth and in clarity. Wait, is that, who is, who am I really seeing? Who am I really seeing? So we never, never, never 
want to just think, okay, check box. Oh, no. You're going to check a whole bunch of boxes before you see the Lord one day. Before we see the Lord. Before we see the Lord one day. And I'm all about the growth journey. Anybody else about the growth journey? I'm about a growth journey. I like me a growth journey. I'm like, come on. I can't, I can't be the same. You ever get sick of yourself? I'm sick of how I'm doing this. Jesus, help me. You know what that's called? Repentance. And it's like, if you're a Jesus following, you're not repenting. Woo, baby. You better check that Bible. That's dangerous. Because he says, I'm going to grow you and change you. And in order to change, I have to repent. So I'm constantly moving from glory to glory, strength to strength. I'm constantly, by God's Spirit, he's rising up. He's rising up. Rising up. Rising up. Somebody say, rise up in me. Rise up in me. Selfishness requires no resurrection power. Selfishness is natural. It's not spiritual. Selfishness is not the way of Jesus' followers. Selfishness is not the Beatitudes that Jesus taught us in this Sermon on the Mount. Selfishness. Whoo, will I worship myself or will I worship God? We're in the constant tug of war of that question. <laughs> Constant, it didn't go anywhere. <laughs> am I going to love God or am I going to pick myself over God? Am I going to be the Lord now? And in this time where we're in this pandemic still, there's still these consequences and we know there's going to be other things that follow. It's almost like we're seeing in some ways people maybe have been felt or felt boxed in in some way. And so we're just kind of making decisions, just losing their mind. Some of that we can understand because of the external pressures. But as the church, we are always resisting those messages. We're always resisting them. We're always thinking about, God, what are you, what are you saying? What are you wanting? What are you asking of me? God, how can I be a blessing? Lord, what are you asking me to bring to this situation? Somebody say selfishness. Yeah, that's the, what, worship of self. Some of that we can understand with why, because it's natural. But as again, as Jesus followers, we're always opposing that thing. We have to know that it's always present. The other word we can use for selfishness is the word pride. That fear that I'm not enough or fear that I'm not going to have enough. It's always playing and working a number on us. And it manifests, it looks like selfishness, but it's really coming from a, a fear. Oh, I don't really know if I do this God's way, if I'm really going to get what I've, you know, oh, I don't know. Ooh, I don't know if I can really trust God with this, that, or the other. Ooh. So I'm just going to do what I can. I don't care who I have to step on. I don't care who I have to talk about. I don't care who I, how I have to devalue myself. I just want it so bad, I'm just going to do it because I don't trust that God is going to really come through. Selfishness. Selfishness. And we're going to see, we're going to... I mean, selfishness has always been around because sin has always been around. But I believe that as a part of what some of us understand since Jesus was talking in Matthew 24 about end times things, I think that we're going to see selfishness reach uh, expression like jaw drop. Like what? Some of us have already seen some things. Some of us have already seen some things. But the church of Jesus Christ, we're to oppose that inclination. That's in everybody. It's in me. It's in you. But we own it. We say, wait a minute. 
wait a minute. Jesus had, Jesus had a better way. Check out 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 5. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather, rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Describes one level of just artificial, just phoniness. It's like going to look like it's, but it ain't real. Because really what's going on in the heart is that battle of self, and I want to worship myself. I want what I want, how I want it, the way I, I, me, me. I'm the center of it all. People will be lovers of self. Lovers of self. And when I was praying for you and praying for this time, we say, Lord, rise up in us, your spirit, so that we don't rise up into self. <laughs> so that we don't rise up into the anger. We don't rise up into the things that would destroy us and destroy our families and our workplaces and our communities. God, help us to rise up in your spirit, in your kingdom where there is righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Ghost. Help me to rise up in the things that matter to your heart so that I don't play into this narrative that would see my family, my friends, my nation, whatever, go to, I'm going to say it like this, hell in a handbasket. Help me, help us to be solution. Help us to offer an alternative of what it means to live and to love God. I don't know about you guys, but when I was thinking about this, I thought, you know, serving is a really great antidote to selfishness. And we get to serve in various ways. We serve at home. We can serve at church. We can serve. We, we serve. It's a, it's a posture of the heart that says, God, I want to see your kingdom come and your will be done. Whatever I have, Lord, you can have it. You can use it. Lord, if you're going to bless anybody, bless them through me. I just want to serve. I just want to, I just want to serve. If some of you are looking for a serving opportunity, um, one of the things we're doing is bridge kids over there. Our Bridge Kids Outdoor class, if you, if you are interested in learning more about serving in, in Bridge Kids, which is such a big deal, it's a grand opening today, I want you to just reach out to Tamara at PasadenaBridge.org because maybe either you're like, oh, I have a heart for that just in general, or maybe you're like, I need a practical thing that I can do to serve, to counter self. Now, I will tell you this, I'm kind of kill you when it comes to this kind of thing. I love it when people serve in their homes, first and foremost. <laughs> oh, no, we're, we're not the kind of church where it's like, oh, you can come up here and serve, and you're neglecting your family. That ain't cool. That's not how, that's not how it rolls. Because you, you've probably seen stories where, or, or heard of people, or maybe you do, maybe you don't, where people, they, maybe they try to serve in church because they're escaping their real life and their real issues. Or there's supposed to be some awesome person in the marketplace, but they're so busy tucked up in a church somewhere where they're just running, just trying to escape themselves. We don't, we don't do that here. 
We, we, don't, we don't do that here. I want to know if you are looking to counteract that selfishness. Are you looking at your neighbors next door? Hey, how can I help you next door? I'm talking about where you live. And then, hey, well, knock, knock, other door. Just practical practical stuff. And some, or some of you might be ready or be at a place where, hey, I want to serve. There's some things I want to do or offer at the church. Well, you can just always let us know about that. But as you are looking practically to counteract selfishness, somebody say serve. Woo-wee. Let me tell you what, you in a marriage, you better know how to serve. If you don't have a good marriage, you better know how to serve. I should have got a lot of claps right there. I don't know. I'm watching y'all. Is it the sun? <laughs> okay, y'all, we'll wrap up. So Philippians 2, 3 through 16, this is powerful. I mentioned this earlier. It says it like this. Do nothing, say that, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Now I'll read the rest. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Somebody, I know that's an answer right now to a merit. That's value somebody above yourself. You could start the day off with a prayer. Lord, help me value my wife more than myself. Practical. Lord, help me. That's what it's about. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a, what? Servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This next part, do everything without grumbling. Wow. Wow. You guys have it like that up there? Do everything without grumbling. Therefore, my... Br- My dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Somebody say, God works in me. Do everything, here it is, without grumbling or arguing. What? So that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like lights in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. Yeah, amen indeed. We will worship self or we will worship Jesus. To rise up in the power of the Spirit, choose to worship the resurrection, uh, the one who gives us resurrection power, the one who rose from the grave. His great comeback to death, sin, and the grave is that he is the resurrection and he is the life. That's his great comeback. If you don't, if you are examining 
wanting to become more like Jesus, if that is tugging at your heart, I want to encourage you to keep having the discussion with him. Keep weighing it. I believe I'm doing it. That it's worth it. Many are actually doing it. Not just doing relig- things that look religious, but actually doing, actually in pursuit. We fall along the way and we get back up and we encourage one another. We cheer one another on. Hey, we're in this together. Let's get this. Let's be about our Father's business. Easter is a wonderful time to come back to God if you've been on hiatus with the Lord or if you've been estranged from Him. You can make that decision right now. You could say this, Lord Jesus, I'm back. Thank you for waiting on me. Let's pick up where we left off. Maybe you've never committed to Christ before as one of his followers, and I'd like to encourage you to start your journey of faith in God today. I can guarantee you this, God is waiting for you. He's waiting for you. Your prayer might be, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me as me on the cross. From this day forward, my life is yours. Maybe you're already an active Jesus follower, but you're letting selfishness win. You can repent right now. Your prayer might be, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me still, even in my selfishness. I want to acknowledge where I've been selfish, so help me offer apologies at home, at work, at church, in my neighborhood, at school, so that I can shine as a light the way your grace intends me to. Maybe you're a Jesus follower and you've never been water baptized. That's something that Jesus followers do to publicly say to the, to the public, I belong to God and God belongs to me. It's a declaration of an inward decision. And it's something that all Jesus followers are supposed to do if they can. Do like this. And then if you don't believe it, remember, go check it, make sure. Make sure you know. So you can let Pastor Maddie know or get more information about water, water baptism. Can I do that at the bridge? I don't really know. No, no. Oh, we'll got you. So you can go to Maddie or you can email Maddie at PassingTheBridge.org for more information. We would be willing to water baptize you next Sunday if that was something that you were ready for. So just keep that in mind. Before we close out today, I want to sing a simple prayer of intercession uh, that I've been praying for us. Somebody say, rise up in me. Rise up in me. One more time. Rise up 